Grab your Bible. We're going to be in Galatians chapter number four. And we are in the seventh part. Come on, somebody. Seven deep. It's the number of completion. It's a perfect number. I wonder if any of you listening, whether you're here in the room or if you're watching online, wherever you are right now, maybe you'll listen to this on a podcast later or on YouTube or something to that effect. I wonder if any of you ever have, or maybe you are currently, these moments that I have where you get up in the morning or you go to bed at night and you it hits you that you just aren't everything you had hoped that you would be. It's just a confession that I think all of us could make, isn't it? That, that we have these moments that we don't measure up to the hype of who we think that we're supposed to be. If you're not a Christian, because that's a really Christian question to ask, right? That's like something we would say, like, like I'm not all that I am, you know, but I have the I am that I am, right? Like we have these sayings, these Christianese. But even if you're not a Christian today, or if you're watching online and, and you're not a Christian, or you got this texted you, or some, for some reason you're here hearing my voice and you're not a Christian, you probably ask yourself this kind of question too. Right. You, you may not ask it quite how we ask it, but you might ask the question, man, how do I how do I live the life that I want to live? If we went to a bookstore, the largest section, do you all know what bookstores are anymore? If you got on iBooks or what, what's it called now? Is that what it's called? Or I don't know what you Android people use, but we'll, whatever, we'll pray for you. But um, if you go to any section of a bookstore, the largest one is self-help. New books come out constantly. New podcasts come out constantly. New YouTube videos come out constantly about how you can make your life better. And some of them are great. But it reveals really this underlying thing in our culture, our performance measurement-based culture, that we actually aren't who we wish we were. Even as Christians, we would say, starting in the Garden of Eden, we are not who we were made to be. And we would make that confession, but we we could just begin to go down the list, couldn't we, of the things in our minds that don't measure up. If only I had gotten a different grade, if only I would have acted differently, if only I didn't say that, if I only had that job, if I had more money, if I didn't have this addiction, if I wasn't struggling with depression, if I didn't have this big nose, come on, somebody. (laughs) 36 years in, still (laughs) self-conscious. I'm kidding. If only I had, you fill in the blank. If only I wasn't, you fill in the blank. We we all have those things. If, If I didn't struggle with anger, if I didn't struggle with, what is it? We we all have it. And we could go on for 20 minutes and I could go around the room and get your list and you'd have your own 20 minute list. And we would all be able to identify with the fact that we have only begun to name all the anxieties, 
fears, self-conscious thoughts and negative emotions running through our minds at almost all times. Because you're human, I'm human, and it just takes one text, one email, one phone call, one poor decision, and everything can change. Everything can change. And Jesus didn't hide the fact either, right? We, we've talked before. John 16.33, there's one section there. I have Jordan put up on the screen for you. But, but it simply says this. In this world, this is Jesus talking, you will have trouble. Show of hands, do you all identify with that? Have you ever had trouble? Some of you are sleeping, that's fine. All right, you got your hand down. You're perfect. I'm just kidding. Yeah, we get it. We're going through a series in the book of Galatians where a guy named the Apostle Paul is bemoaning the fact that this group of people that he loves, this church, this Galatian people, is in his estimation trading in what is so, so good in the gospel, in Jesus, and voluntarily swinging back over to what he called last week the elementary principles of the world, the the, the things that we struggle with in this life that cause us to be slaves to our own selfishness instead of living in the freedom that comes from Jesus. And so he's flabbergasted that they would voluntarily exit the freedom of Christ for the slavery of the things of the world. I mean, I can just hear him saying, what if I told you there was one relationship that could change all of those negative thoughts in your head? What if I told you there was one person who wants to love you unconditionally, that, that there, are, there are no strings attached at all? If you haven't checked out by now, you would have, right? Because that's not real. If you're married or you've ever had a boyfriend or girlfriend, and when you first meet them, like you can't imagine. The first time I laid eyes on Camden across campus, come on, was like, that is the woman of my dreams. I looked at my best friend, Brian Kaiser, if you're watching. He would confirm, and I said on day one at Clearwater Christian College, rest in peace, I said, I will marry that girl right there. And he laughed hysterically. I followed through. Can I get an amen in church? (laughs) Best decision of my life outside of following Jesus. But I couldn't imagine in that initial phase that there was anything wrong with Camden Coon. How many of you know she looked at me and she said, I can work with that. She saw the the flaws right away. But there's this just this this initial period. And when we go through as Christians too, when when Jesus does something amazing in your life, but then life comes, right? (laughs) Then life happens. And then you get an answered prayer from God and it's not yes. It's a no. It's a closed door. It's not what you wanted. It's a suffering. It's a struggle. And Jesus, you can hear his words in the back of your mind. In this world, you're going to have trouble. We all do. And Paul is begging these 
Christians, these people that he loves, and we're going to read about how much he loves them in a minute. But he's saying, listen to me, just knowing Jesus, just knowing him, like not even doing anything else, just knowing him would give you everything you need to overcome all of those habits, negative thoughts, sins, all of it. Just knowing Him. Here's what He says in Galatians chapter 4, verses 8 to 11. They'll be on the screen if you don't have a Bible, but just, just listen to the heart behind it. He says, Formerly, when you didn't know God, you were slaves to those things that by nature are not gods, right? We call them idols. We call them little g gods because they aren't gods. And yet we, we worship them like they are gods, don't we? No amens. Come on. Don't amen it either because it's true. Look what he says. But now, he's like, I get it. When you, when you didn't know about Jesus, it makes sense to chase the things that you were chasing. But now you have come to know God. Now we, now we actually do know God, or rather, better yet, I love how he clarifies himself. Even under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he's clarifying himself. Or better yet... You are known by God. I mean, what's better than knowing God? Being known by God. Wow. Then he asked the, he probably didn't have to ask this question, but he does, right? He says, how can you turn back to the weak and worthless principles of the world whose slaves you want to become once more? And then then he says the specific struggle that they're struggling with. But I want, as I read this, I want you to put the thing that you struggle with, right? What was enslaving to them? Falling back to the way things were religiously. We don't live in a very religious culture. They did. All right. We're, We're rapidly trying to secularize in our culture. They were in a very religious culture. So here's what he says. He says, you observe days and months and seasons and years. And I'm afraid that I may have labored over you in vain. That I told you about all this freedom. Remember the sermon on bacon a few weeks ago. (laughs) You can have bacon. He's saying, but you've, you're still, you're still doing all the things that your religion told you you had to do. And you're not living in this freedom. That Christ has for you. But what is it for you? What are the seasons and days and years that that you have hung on to? If Paul's fathering us here or pastoring us here in this moment, he's he's shocked that you and I would so fast, without even thinking, so fast, go back to those things. A sin, a thought. What, what is it? He's saying, yeah, it, it made sense to me when you, when you didn't know Jesus, but now you do. 
can hear his heart. Peter, his kind of counterpart, right, said something very similar uh, when he wrote his letter to some churches. In 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 and 4, listen to what he says. His divine power, right, nothing to do with you, his, God's divine power, has granted to us, these are, these are amazing statements, listen to this, has granted us how many things? What's it say? All things. Think about that. Okay? Don't, don't just read it like, like you have for years if you've been a Christian. Think about what it means. God's granted us all things that pertain to what? Life and godliness. Okay, so, so think with me, the question we begin with, why do I not live up to the things that I wish I was? Why am I not the person that I wish I was? Why, how can I get to live the life that I need to live? What changes can be made? And Peter says, listen, God's divine power has given us everything we need to live Life and godliness. Everything. I mean, I struggled with that this week. I struggled to think that through. Like, I, I have everything I need, even when I'm tired. I have everything I need when Satan whispers those lies into my ear that I'm not who I'm supposed to be. Or maybe when God says no to what you've been asking. I have, I have everything that I need. That's real talk. He didn't stop there though. He says you have everything you need pertaining to life and godliness. How? Where? When? <laughs> what? Look what he says. Through. If you have a paper Bible, God bless you. Circle that word through. It's the key to all of it in your life. Through. That was a joke, by the way. I normally bring an iPad up here. Relax. (laughs) Through what? Say it. Through the knowledge of who? Him. Wow. Follow it. You have everything you need to live this life of godliness he's called you to through the knowledge, just knowing Jesus. Because he called us by his own glory and goodness. Maybe you grew up in a religious home. He called you by his own glory and goodness not your effort and i know you know that especially if you grew up in a christian home i know you know that mentally but you don't feel that physically because i haven't for a long time you you might need to be set free just from that today maybe that's your seasons and months and days and years is that that you know for for decades maybe some of you You've lived in such a way where you know theologically it doesn't rest on your shoulders, but practically speaking, it all rests on your shoulders. No, no. By his own glory and excellence, he's called us to his own 
glory and excellence. By which, so it's through that knowledge, by which he has granted to us. I love that language. He's granted to us his precious and very great promises. God makes promises, but he makes precious promises. We talked about that last week. He also makes, how many of you know, not just great promises. What kind of promises? Very great promises. Peter's like, his promises are next level. So that he's building a case so that through them, you may become partakers. Some of your translations will say participants of the divine nature. How do I have everything that I need just by knowing Jesus? Because through your knowledge of him, he brings you, right? We talked last week. He's sending the spirit of Jesus into your heart, crying out, Abba, Father. What do good dads do? They provide everything their child needs to succeed. God the Father, through Jesus, is providing you everything you need to succeed so that you can partake of the divine nature. And then here's the realization. Having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire or evil. There is a very transparent reality all throughout scripture that we live in a place where this is hard to do in this world you will have trouble you're escaping a corrupted world it's it's all there you know paul in galatians says you know who cut in on you and and caused you to turn away everything you need i want to illustrate this for you a little bit and, and help it help it come home. Have you ever used a funnel? Jordan, put up a picture of the funnel. The funnel. Have you seen these? Yes? Come on, class. Raise your hand. You ever seen a funnel? Give me a Pentecostal wave. If you've seen a funnel online, funnel, yes. We've all seen and used the funnel, right? What does a funnel do? A funnel captures some broader substance and funnels it into, channels it into a specific location, right? I've got two boys, as dads do. Come on, as dads do. We talk about changing car oil, right? How many of you know I would never let this guy right here open a bottle of oil and just dump it into my engine? Come on. What would happen to that bottle of oil? Be all over the place. Don't be messing up my Jeep. Come on. Or his clothes or the floor, right? What, what, what do we say? Grab the, come on, grab the funnel, right? We just, you, you have this. Why would you not use this? I think some of us are still trapped in this area where like, I've got God's power and we're, we're trying to, what does it look like for God's power to get poured into my life? But, but we don't have the funnel. There's a funnel here. Do you see it? There's a progression of things that are happening that Peter and Paul are talking about. There, there's a godly funnel that will channel that into your life because it starts very broad, doesn't it? His divine power. 
has given you everything you need that pertains to life and godliness. Well, that's awesome. But how do I, how do I get that in, in me? <laughs> right? Awesome. His divine power is available. How do I funnel that into me? Very important. It's very basic function that a funnel does. So Peter breaks this down for us, all right? And Jordan, if you want to throw up the, the, the next funnel, all right? I want you to think about this verse in terms of a funnel, right? What is the thing that we're after? What is the great promise that's here? It's God's power. It's, it's that I get to participate in divine nature, and if your life is not participating, if you're not experiencing God's divine power, how do we get there? Everything you need. I love this. See, because Peter says God's power comes what? Through the divine knowledge of Jesus. Just knowing him brings that power into the funnel, right? God's power comes into my life through Jesus. If you don't know Jesus, you'll never experience. We will sound so foolish to you. <laughs> like, what, what is this guy talking about? We, we are a little crazy. We do believe in somebody we can't see with our naked eye. And let me tell you, I've never believed it more than I believe it right now. Even with all the stuff happening in the world, I've never believed it more than I do right now. Well, how can bad things happen to good people? There aren't any. Good things happen to bad people is what happens. It comes through the knowledge of Jesus. Why? Why? Where's the precious promise, right? That's a great promise. What's so precious about that? That could be scary. Right, Because we tell you every week, if you confess Jesus as Lord, that could be scary. No, no. It's because God's power comes through the knowledge of Jesus, of his own glory and goodness. It says that he's called you into his own glory and goodness. You see, his power is inseparably tied to his goodness. Everything that you need comes through Jesus because of his glory and his goodness, his power and his goodness. How do I experience that? Through those promises. It comes by knowing what he said comes through knowing what he said. If you don't know what he said, you won't know what promises can be funneled into your life. He said things like, I will never leave you or forsake you. Think about that. God will never, not when you're at work on the 13th hour in the graveyard shift and you're tired. He'll never leave you. Not when Satan lies and whispers in your ear that you're not worthy or you're not good enough. 
or that maybe the world would be better without you. That's a lie. He'll never leave you or forsake you. But but you have to know what he said. You have to be listening. You have to be listening. Because it comes through those promises like we talked about last week. What's the promise? That you've been adopted into the family of God. And that you have everything you need in Jesus. It comes through those promises that I now know that the Spirit of God is being put in me, crying out, Abba, Father. Isn't it interesting that I preached that last week and I didn't really live that way this week? Just be honest with each other. Is that okay in church? You okay with that? A nod would be fine. If not, we're not the church for you. There's the door. You don't have a perfect pastor. See, see this stuff is real, right? Like, like we're, we're, not, we're not just, right? The Bible says there is a sermon that we could preach that would just tickle your ears. It'd be fun to listen to. But it wouldn't ask a whole lot of you. It wouldn't demand a whole lot of you. But that's not real. That is not going to help you when the crap hits the fan. This will, though. Knowing that God will be there when you aren't who you wish you were. I know most of you. I know that's your story. It's my story. Man. We have to reframe who we want to be. You see, we've got these ideas of who we want to be. And then we need to reframe who we want to be. And just like any good dad, there's an easy way and there's a hard way, right? The easy way is I surrender, Lord. The hard way is I I think I can pull this off. And then he lets you try. (laughs) How many of you have that story? Yep, had to get the door slammed in my face. I had to fall 17 times. I shared John sixteen thirty three the the one little part right that says in this world you have trouble I want to share the rest of the verse with you because <laughs> the rest of the verse is powerful because right in the middle it says in this world you have trouble but if you pluck that out you're just like yeah I do but let, let's put it back in where it belongs John sixteen thirty three says this Jesus is talking I have told you these things so that in me everything you need is in Jesus so that in me You will have what? Peace, shalom, wholeness, complete. Scripture says lacking nothing. In this world, you will have trouble. What's he say? But take heart. What's he say? I have what? I have overcome the world. And the Bible says that Jesus, God, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if he were standing where I'm standing here today and he knew what you were going through, he would say, listen, I've told you these things. I've told you all these things. Because you're going to have trouble. But you can have peace. You really can. He might get down on one knee and say, you, you can have peace. But what does peace often require of us? Do you know? (laughs) You're like, I think. (laughs) Like, I don't know what you want me to say. 
requires you to do this. Are you watching? Requires us to do that. Requires us to let go. What is the thing that 21st century United States of American Christians are the worst at? Let go. Jerome and I were just talking about this this week. So we were chatting with us. I was sharing that verse. I was like, just think about that with me. Everything we need. But what's, what's the thing? I can't let go of what I'm holding on to. It's hard. But it's worth it. You got to grab that funnel. You have to remind yourself that God's power is available. That it comes through the knowledge of Jesus. Because he has great glory and goodness. And he's chosen to share that with me through the promises in his word. So that I can what? Go back to the funnel, Jordan. Live a godly life. Right? It says that there's this participation in the divine nature. This godly life that I can live. That I can't live on my own. So we come to the rest of what Paul says in Galatians chapter 4. Right? He says, I entreat you to become as I am. For I also have come as you are. You did me no wrong. You know it was because of a bodily ailment that I preached the gospel to you at first. And though my condition was a trial to you, you did not scorn or despise me, but you received me as an angel of Christ. Think about that. Even as Christ Jesus himself. Verse 15. Here's the question. What's become of your blessedness? In other words, he's saying, we we had this amazing interaction where I was suffering and you took care of me and I was preaching the gospel to you and you were set free. It was powerful. But here's what it says. Even though it was a trial to you, what's become of your blessings? For I testify to you that if possible, I want to ask you a question. Do we love like this? Look what it says. If it was possible, you would have gouged out your eyes and given them to me. You would have gouged out... What kind of relationship does it take for you to be willing to rip your eyes out and give them away? Paul wasn't dramatic at all. Then he says, have I then become your enemy by telling you the truth? Ouch. You know, some of you probably, if you're going to be honest, there's been some truth tellers in your life and you've dismissed them. And you might need to listen. How, how, does, how does God work? Through his people. Through his word. Through the Holy Spirit. Have I become your enemy by telling you the truth? They make much of you, but for no good purpose. The world, right? There's a reason you like those things. There's a reason you return to those things. Because for, for, for a minute... They, they seem great. But they want to shut you out. The devil always overpromises and underdelivers. 
Bible says there's pleasure in sin for a season. They want to shut you out so you can make much of them. It is always good to be made much of for a good purpose. And not only when I am present with you, my little children, for whom I am again in the anguish of childbirth. Just you, you just feel, what does he say? Until Christ is formed in you. I wish I could be present with you now and change my tone because I am perplexed about you. I am perplexed about you. Peter said, everything you need, you have in Christ. Paul says, I'm going to I'm going to be in some pain until Christ is formed in you. Listen, that's that's this game of life. I'm I'm, we're going to be in pain until Christ is formed in us. And yet Paul's really concerned that they're going to walk away too soon. They're going to just walk. They're going to, walk, you know, it was fun when I first, but it's hard, man. It's hard to follow Jesus. What's the connection between what Paul is saying and what Peter's saying? You know, Peter's saying everything we need, we have in Christ. Paul's saying when Christ is formed in you. I won't be in pain anymore. But what was surrounding that? It's really surprising. What, where does Paul land that Christ being formed in you? What's the example that he used? How they treated him and how he treated them. That it is actually that that, that funnel is actually Christ being formed in you in the context of relationships I've said this before there are, there is just no shortcut to Christ being formed in you the spiritual practices praying reading his word being with his people there just isn't a shortcut that is how Christ is formed in you We're actually the funnel of grace to which God is poured into for the good of others. It's so critical. It's vision out. It's serve the city. Right? It's that as I love God because he first loved me, And that good news comes into my heart and begins to transform me. And I am at peace that he would look at us and say, go into all the world and preach the gospel. What is the gospel? It's good news that we would go into Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth with what? Good news, making disciples of all of those places. It's the natural flow of God in our lives. One more funnel. You up for it? One last funnel. A guy named Pete Scazzaro, uh, who wrote a ton of great things about being emotionally healthy as a Christian, uh, be a great resource for you. 
but he he made a set of funnels that that really help us think through how we maybe are prone to think about discipleship following Jesus and how we ought to think about it. So if you can throw that up there uh, for us to look at what what we tend to think about is get a bunch of people in this room attending we use fancy words like connecting and serving and but it's really just here right like we need volunteers we do by the way sign up help us but that's not really how disciples are made is it if we're honest the counterintuitive nature of the gospel is that the funnel gets flipped upside down, right? Jesus actually modeled for us where you would grab a couple and you would just pour your life into them like he's poured his life into you. That's why we do smaller things like city groups, leadership academy, growth track, regen, all of these places that, that you can get in a smaller community. And be formed, Christ in you, among other people. Super important, because then what begins to happen? Well, exactly what happened in the New Testament, right? Jesus is talking to 12 when he says, go into all of the world and preach the gospel. And I'll be with you. They couldn't have imagined that you and I would be sitting right here, Right now, talking about them. But it started with a few. Started with a few. And so, the question is, where is the natural flow of God in your life? Or is it? Because we don't, we don't have time you don't have time to show up for something or be a part of something fake. We, none of us have time for that. But, but if, if, you'll, if you'll dip your toe in the water, if, if, you'll, if you'll get in, God will change your life. He'll change your life. He'll absolutely change your life. But the reality is, even, even, if, even if you jump in, our tendency is to get out and dry off. <laughs> Isn't it? It just is. It just is. Because it's hard. And I've said that like a hundred times today. Because <laughs> repetition is the key to learning, right? There's good news for you today. There's peace, joy. How did Jesus get to the point where he could say, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross? That Those things don't go together. Because we're weird, man. <laughs> Paul said to a different church that he was writing to, you know, to the world, it, 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 the foolishness of what I'm preaching the cross of Jesus is folly to anybody looking at it. Like, unless you know him, right? Unless you know him, unless you are with him and experiencing him. 
and so, you know, there, there are so many things happening. Jerome mentioned it in the world, but then you, you come closer and there's things happening here. And, and we just simultaneously live with the struggles that you're having and the great things that are happening. Right? We could celebrate all morning the things that are happening around the world for the gospel. Things are happening in your life. Things are happening right here at Redeemer. Right? We contribute to a few through Water's Edge, pastors and churches around the world, so that when things like Ukraine happen, we're ready. We contribute to places like V3 who are locally multiplying, thinking about things that are, that are near to us, like human trafficking. We, we literally buy a certain kind of coffee from Buddy Brew because it supports human trafficking. Because everything can be intentional. Right? Through these partnerships. And so, so we're, we're pro go into all the world. Right? Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, Tampa, and Florida, the United States, and the world. Make your mark. We contribute to one organization who is multiplying Ethiopian leaders every year. Just leaders, leaders, leaders. And they're, they're championing things in their culture like domestic adoption. It's going to change the world. Right here at Redeemer, you invest your time, your talents, your, your gifting, your treasure, your money. You invest here. We're, we're going to move to a new building because we, we believe it can serve us better as we bring good news to Tampa Heights. Like, like we're, we're investing those things, right? We talk about growth track because we actually believe that if you'll give us a year of your life, that if you'll get in growth track and figure out who God's made you, and then you'll get in a city group with other people, and maybe you need to get in regen when it kicks off and spend a year being discipled intentionally in God's word, a full year, not no joke, like a whole year of your life. If you'll give us a year of your life, you'll never be the same. Because it's not giving us a year of your life, right? It's surrendering to Jesus and doing what he's called us to do. We have mentoring happening all over the place. We have Leadership Academy. It's, it's all of these things give us a year of your life. You'll never be the same. Because then you can turn around and pour it back out. I got to stop talking. You're like, I need to go to lunch. <laughs> Same. But there's, there is so much available to you. Everything you need in Christ. But I got to ask you if you believe that. Because I know what some of you are struggling with. And I know what I'm struggling with. Do we actually believe that we have everything we need in Christ that pertains to life and godliness? And if we believe that, let's be about that. Yeah?